I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. Heritage Week was last week and we at Irish Life and Lore had a busy week traveling up and down the country doing interviews and giving talks which will be material for future podcasts. But this week the focus is on the Seven Arch Bridge, which is situated in Knightsbrook in County Mead. And it all started with a drive in a Model T Ford car with John Brady to the location. This uh, Model T car that we're driving in, Yes. How old is it? This is 1914 Ford Model T. So we're driving down this road. Is this a very old road now that we're driving down? Well, this would be one of the original uh, link roads which to take us into Trim. And of course, we're going to visit this um, this bridge, which would probably be the earliest bridge around here. It was just designed for uh, foot passengers, you know? Yeah. For, of course, there's no indicator you have to put out your hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a credit to you to, to put such a thing back together again. Well, it's a passion. It, 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 it's a labour I love as far as I'm concerned, you know. John, you're taking me down here to show me something very special. I'm what? going to show you the uh, Seven Arch Bridge. It's a... Um, it's, uh, it's called a pack horse bridge and they were known in northern Europe for where people putting up bridges in a hurry that didn't have time to bring their carts and uh, ammunition and all over so you put all on the horseback and uh, there would be no walls either side and it's only about a metre wide so it was for carrying yeah. horses and all equipment So this must have been on an old roadway, was it? Uh, this would be been... Uh, on an old roadway, but it, it was more so a path going up to Trim yeah. for going to people going to Mass, locals going to Mass. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. And roughly what time was it built? Or have you any uh, idea? No, we have no, we have no real idea about how it's built. But uh, we're just passing Tossie Harrington's house here. It's yeah. built between himself and the man next door. Okay. It, it starts from here at the road. This old road is connecting uh, what was the Dublin Road at Jack Quinn's with the Summerhill Trim Road that goes on to Kilcock. The Boyne drainage has been drained uh, since the 70s. And the, by cleaning the Boyne, 
all the tributaries have lowered. Now, as you'll see, there's seven arches here, but all the water actually goes under one arch. But prior to the Boyne being drained, there was a big sparse of land here, all marshy. So people had to have a bridge to get across, and then that's how it's seven arches instead of just one arch. I see, yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness here. Yeah, and, and you know, it's so narrow. Why is it so narrow? Um, well, it was only... It was only a pack horse bridge. It wasn't for carriages because there wouldn't okay. have been time to, if they were moving armies and that, there wouldn't have, no, it wasn't armies in this part of the world, yeah. but say in Spain and the north of Spain and all, there wouldn't have been time to build the bridges up when they were, when they were moving. So it's narrow. Uh, so, well, local knowledge, people knew that this was always here. Yes. Did they? But it was completely kind of, Hidden away in somebody's Hidden farm. away, and it's between two privately owned fields, so there wouldn't have been much looking into it at all. Yeah. But uh, uh, Paul Kerr from Scorlockstown Olympiad, he took it on as his baby to look after this. My, my name is Paul Kerr. I'm a member of Scorlockstown Olympiad since the mid to late 90s. And uh, we're standing on Tossie Harrington's land at what we call the Seven Arch Bridge, which is a pack horse bridge uh, dating back to we're not too sure when but we'll tell you and uh, I heard about the bridge at Scarlettstown meetings generally Pat Farley would mention it and it was on the rock road and I didn't even know where the rock road was and in on, um, I went back to to do a PLC in 2008 and I called in here to see Tossie and Pat on Stephen's day in 2008 and the bridge was totally overgrown. I remember walking down into Pat's land and uh, you couldn't see the bridge this side at all, really. And um, I did it as a project within the PLC just to see could I research it. I got great help from, or good help from, from Tom French in Mead County Library. Uh, he's the head librarian there. And he gave me some material that referenced the bridge uh, in one instance that said it was of no consequence at all that's all it said but at least it was referenced and um, I discussed it with Tossie for over a number of years and no one would do anything to clear the vegetation so Tossie and I think he was he was well in his 70s at the time he decided to clear the vegetation himself in 2012. Toss this is on your land when did it come when did you first recognize the bridge the bridge yeah well, I came here in 1977, and I can't remember when I seen it. It was covered with uh, briars and all sorts of, and there was a uh, there was an alder bush down there, and it was growing against the second last arch, and it was every time the wind would go, it hit the hit the bridge, and the stones had fallen out of it, and I had to cut it over. But did you ever ask questions? Why is this bridge on my land? No, I never. I never thought of it. Never. never. No idea. Of it. No. Late in two thousand and twelve, I came here with my cousin, and she took this photograph, and I sent the image of that. Uh, it was the first photograph that would have been taken of that bridge possibly ever, because it was always overgrown. We wouldn't have had photography back in the day. Um, and I sent a copy of that to uh, an architect, James Howley, and uh, he would have known Pat Farley through his family connection, 
and he wrote a report that we got subsidised by Mead County Council on the bridge and it was very, very informative. And he used the immortal words of national in, uh, importance, the bridge was. So that meant that the likes of Loretta and a few more sat up because James Howley is very, very definitive in what he says. He suggested that I, I speak to Lisa. Lisa came along as a structure, Lisa Eden. She came along as a structural engineer. We, again, we got some funding uh, to, for her to do a report on the bridge as to how we'd set about restoring the bridge. I was first involved um, in 2017 um, on the back of James Howley's report and he recommended um, a structural engineer uh, be appointed or to, to have a look at the bridge. Um, and I work with existing structures and uh, particularly masonry structures. Um, and when I received the photo of it, of course, I was delighted. Never seen a little structure like this before. So um, I had no problem saying yes to coming and visiting and uh, reporting on it. And my reports would typically um, analyse the, the structure, not not in terms of detailed calculations, but, but understanding its form, and then also understanding um, its degradation and what its issues are, and then also putting together proposals outlining what should be done with it. Um, and I, at that time, divided that up into priorities and um, split that into the land arches the ma the main arch over the river and then as lesser priorities to getting the cut waters done and and the flank walls yeah. so how much restoration was put in to bring so, this back yeah so i've got a have some uh, leaflets here which actually i'll pass around which are really the summary of various restoration stages so we've actually um undergone we're just finished our third uh bit of restoration now so our first was um, to stabilize the six um, land arches a lot of them had lost some of their outer vouzois um, and you'll see that in the photo that um, is that Paul brought along there so a lot of these outer arch stones had fallen had cracked had slipped um, and the bridge therefore was uh, uh, in danger of unraveling back into its very narrow structure um, also some of the abutments um, the, the piers had, had been undermined. Um, there was, you'll see them if you walk along this, and the remains of big stumps of trees that had disrupted and moved some of the masonry around. Um, so we were undoing all of that degradation, putting it back again. So that was the first, um, the first job. Um, we also, at that stage, we, we wanted to get to the top of the arch. I felt there was a lot of water coming in to the tops of all the arches. Um, and... Um, I felt because it already had what we call a soft top a grass that that was the appropriate final solution but we we took all the grass off we repaired as much of the masonry as we could we then put a clay material back on as a waterproofing layer and then we put sod back on the top so although it looks like it did it does in that photo there's we've actually been right back to the sort of nitty-gritty of the masonry there. So hopefully we've given it a helping hand to okay. make it last a lot longer. Is there any other bridge like this in Ireland? No. This is the only one? This is the only one that takes this form. There are some others which have been labelled packhorse bridges. There's one in Milltown um, in, in Dublin, but it's much, much wider. Um, there's the Clapper Bridge in Mayo, but it's a completely different form. There's a little single arch um, in Wicklow, which is possibly the one that is most akin to this. It's one arch. Okay. Do we know why it was built at all here? Um, James Howley would be uh, 
probably best to refer to on this, and, and I I'm, I'm, I'm can refer to his report on that, um, there's, he has discussion in that that it was possibly for drawing stone from uh, to, to build buildings, and that was a route, and, and that the, the horses would be um, uh, loaded up. And I just actually might, might go to just explain some of the form. It's very narrow. The bridge deck is only, is barely three, it's less than four foot wide. Um, so it's it's not even um, really wide enough for a man to be leading a horse. So, I mean, he, he would possibly be in front of the horse. Um, if the, certainly not wide enough for a cart. Um, so the, the horses would have had panniers on them if they were using this yeah. as a bridge. And therefore, what's really interesting is the height of the wall. And I think that some of this wall here is later because the wall had to be lower than the panniers. Okay. Okay. So that yeah. you've had the width, because if you think of a pack horse, the width of the horse and the width of two panniers is wider than that bridge deck. So it's really interesting that sort of this, this form, and that's, I suppose, the shape that we see um, in this bridge has led people to say, call it a pack horse bridge, and then uh, um, and yeah. that supposition. That... So this is Loretta Guinan, Mead County Council Heritage Officer, and she's been working with us almost since the start. And in 2009, on a submission that I made to her, or through Mead County Council, the bridge became a listed structure. So that was the first time it was ever listed as a structure. And it meant that uh, it would have been harder to come along with the JCB and knock it without causing offence to someone. Yeah. So how did the funding... Well, it also meant then, by being on the record of monuments and places for County Mead, or the, sorry, the record of protected structures for County Mead, that it was eligible for funding. There is annual funding that is available then through the department, which is administered through local authorities, which funds conservation works to structures of this of this nature. So an application was made, a number of applications over the years was made, and that, al that allowed a team then to come together, a conservation team come together, who examined the structure, looked at its providence, looked at what would be appropriate for its restoration. And then that began, I suppose, the trickle of funding then that came through then on, on, over the years to, to, to see what we have here now. When we, when we started, we got the first report made, uh, commissioned by James Howley. He thought it was um, maybe 19th, early 19th century or maybe back to the 17th century. And it wasn't, it wasn't definitive. definitive. Yeah. But since, since then, uh, Earlier this year, uh, I always felt it was a little bit older than, than certainly 19th, uh, early 19th century. But since then, uh, <clears throat> we, I've come across the Taylor Skinner uh, maps. Oh, the road maps. The road maps. And the ro that road map, which is 1770 or there or thereabouts, that showed that there was a bridge down at Lara Cor, which is a mile away, and a bridge up at Jack Quinn's, where we just come from. So there were two definitive bridges there that would carry carts. So I would think that the chances of this bridge being built after those was virtually impossible unless there was a real folly to be done. But then uh, I got looking at the Down survey and I couldn't identify any bridge on the Down survey from the 1660s. Yeah. Um, but the OPW on their uh, definitive information on that, they actually mentioned that a bridge existed at Lara Cor back in the 1660s. Now, it didn't say anything about a bridge up at Jack's, but that doesn't matter. But it, it meant that there was a bridge at, ja at, at Lara Cor. So again, this bridge, you would imagine, predated, or else something here predated that, that um, Lara Cor okay. bridge.
crossed it, yeah? I crossed yeah. that bridge to school many is the time. And three three big lads yeah. carrying our school bags, yeah, I'd say, fighting yeah. over. But when we got yeah. to the other end, we had to throw our leg across a bit of wire. Barbed wire, let it be, God knows, sheep wire, whatever it was, but we were well used to it. But the girls wore long skirts in those days, didn't they? Ah, uh, we were all right. We were yeah, good girls. We were okay, yeah, yeah, we were yeah. good <laughs> girls. Uh, who am I talking to? You're talking to Annette Barry. I live right across the road from here. Oh, sure, this was local to you. so Absolutely always, yeah. local. And um, I grew up looking at this bridge, listening about this bridge. Um, years ago, we would have walked across this bridge as youngsters going to school, coming to and from, believe it or not, dances in trim across the fields and take a shortcut right across and out across the wire, up across the bridge and out and we were home. Really? Yeah. And was there a kind of pathway through through the fields? There was then? a pathway through the fields and it was it brought you right across to where the old Christian Brothers school was. It brought you out through the nuns' fields as we used to call them. Yeah. And there was um a route there and we all took that route. We either took that route or then when there was a new bridge built down further, we took the other bridge, which is down in Pat there. Pat is belonging to this situation as well. He's on the other side of this bridge, so he's kind of part of the, the, the situation. So on Pat's land, we used to cross the bridge when there was a sounder bridge put across that we, we could... But there's no protection on the left-hand side crossing the bridge. Ah, not at all, we, but sure. that worry you? Not yeah. at all, not yeah. at all, no. Oh, and and my mother, Rod, Lord Mess, she's gone six years now, but she was 94, and up to... She had great memories of everything right up to when she died. She got pneumonia and it just took her, but her memories were brilliant. But she can remember, which I can't, a guy that used to come regularly across on horseback across that bridge. Uh, who was he? Have you? I don't know who he was. Unfortunately, yeah. she's gone now. And how do I find that out? But she would often talk about this man that used to use his regular going across on horseback. Uh, what did she refer to the bridge? Did she give it a name? Did she say... Ah, not at all, no. Like, it's the bridge across the road there. And that was it? That was it, yeah. yeah. It wasn't called, like, um, O'Farley's Bridge? or no, no, no. No, as I said, and I've said over and over again, the guys are coming up the river now and they're actually doing work and they're they're putting in stone and they're clearing it all out I can remember as a youngster that this was the most best lay town Betty's town Tenerife that you could ever come across because from where you have that bridge there then from that bridge to the other bridge the, the new bridge as we would call it that was kind of the shallow end of the river and people that couldn't swim, like myself, would go in there and splash around and whatever. And then because of the big high girders that were underneath the, the new bridge, we were very brave and we would cling on to them and splash and whatever. But then the proper swimmers, they would go down the other side of the bridge, as Pat knows, on his land. And they would be the diver ins. They would go to the, after making the hay in the evening, they would go in and they would strip off there was it was a row of bushes up the middle of the field and there was the ladies bushes and there was the men's bushes and what they would do is they would go in and, and strip off and get into their togs or not bikinis but swimsuits at the time and 
the, the lads would go down and the women of course and they would get the muck off the side of the bank of the river and they would plaster it all over themselves and after a hot day doing hay or whatever and they would jump into the river and it was a brilliant place and then we had the waterfall which was further down yeah. which we then would be able to go down and we would sit on the wall of the waterfall and the water would come flowing across and we we'd be ever so brave sitting there but this was a glorious place and thank god they're, they're doing it now again they're, they're at the river now again they're clearing it up and now we've had the seven arches done so this is going to be people had be coming here in holidays i reckon a few holiday camps around here now that, that this will be the scene well thank you so much this will be the scene yeah brilliant yeah. morris i just want to introduce you to pat conlon who's a landowner on the other side of the bridge the bridge is the mirror between pat's land and tossie's land pat yeah yeah you've been farming this land so I, i'm here since 1968 and uh, when i came here first the way down to the bridge was on the far side of the wall there was a little gate and you come down about 10 yards and there was a big door that would have been over six foot high. You could bring a horse in through it and come down along the hedge and across the bridge here. And that was on for a few years then before the school buses come. The children on the road used to come down here if they were going in the morning and they would be a bit late. They'd run across this bridge and you would sit into the modelling school. And sometimes they'd go down the other way. I saw this this river used to flood and flooded up to that hedge. And the man that lived in this house here, Stephen's Pay, he went out and met the children coming back from the school and brought them down around the edge here and across this bridge. Did he know? And uh, what was his name again? Stephen Pay. Uh, was he here long? Like were the Fays far away? Oh, he he land? was here he was here a good while, I'd say, a good number of years. Yeah. And they built, there was no house there. Well, that house was there when I came, but he built that house. The house was always over here. Oh, was that an old farmhouse? Like an o- attached An, an old thatched farmhouse. Was it? It was knocked down, was just in the middle over here. And is there any phase left in the area now? Uh, well, there is. Very, there's only one more left. The, the young fellow, JP, told me that uh, when he was about 14 that his father was going into town to get the horse shod. They had a quiet horse, and uh, he didn't want to waste time. And he was a young fellow. He wasn't allowed to bring the horse on the road. And he rode across the bridge here, and he went down the lane, and he came out there on the trim road. And his father went round on the bicycle and took the horse in. And Charlie Seymour owned the land that time across here, and the men were working there, and he sent some of the men down to open the gate to let him through the gate because he had an official right away for to bring a horse down Oh yeah. and uh, brought the horse down that way and over the bridge here? over the bridge, aye and where, on then to where? After uh, when we're down to the far end of that and down there's a laneway down there through Riley's and uh, he, he went down that laneway and out near the town the father went around on the bike and took the horse into town to get him shot the two miles from here, roughly. That's it? right. Yeah. You nearly go across walking as quick. The modelling school, we'd run back near to the back of the modelling school there. And uh, you'd walk across as quick as you'd go around on a bike if you went around the road. And tell me about your own, you must tell me about your own farming. Were your family farming the, the land here at the other side of the bridge for many years? Since, uh, since 68. 
they, so your, your your father married in here, so did Oh, he? no, I, we bought this place in 68. Oh, yourself? Oh, I came from the Pomona-Monaghan border. Oh, and was it the Land Commission got you here? No. We bought this place that time. Yeah. And, uh, Do you know who you bought the, it from? Can you the, the man that was here, he was only here four years. He was, uh, was he Charlie, you know, I forget his name now. The man that lived here for a long time was Charlie Seymour. 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 He, well, li- he, li- he lived. There was a big house up there. He lived in the big house. And then he just spent a lot of money doing it up and he sold the big house in 50 acres. And that was the steward's house. And uh, he moved. And he was steward for who? Steward for, for uh, the lord or whoever owned the place above, for Seymour at the time. But yeah. the the man that founded the Legion of Mary, what do you call him? Uh, Frank Duff. Frank Duff. The, this, they were the stewards here and they lived. That was his house up there. And I had a woman called here to see me one time. She was related to the Duffs. And uh, she she told she had photographs with her that she took. It was a Ford car in eighteen twenty two, and the place was just the same where where she where up in the yard where she was sitting. So Duffs came from from uh, here. Yeah, they were the stewards, and then Seema moved down here, and he stayed here for a good few years. Yeah, and he was related to the royalty. He was invited to the coronation in London. I see. I when, see. The, when the coronation was on, and he bought, there was no radios that time, very few radios about the road. He had one, and a couple of people, and he bought a new pay radio that was just after coming in, and he put it on a table out in the shed <laughs> that they could listen to the coronation. I was talking, Annette, that you were talking with, her father was the foreman here working here. And he said, we wouldn't hear in here, but watching telly. We hadn't the telly at home. But uh, he said, I was, get, I was getting £2.5 a week and had to work to 4 o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> when the border works come up the river here, the engineer, Alder, he wanted to knock that bridge and I wouldn't let him knock it. And he gave out a bit of a cord for foundation under it. And I put a step ladder up there on the far side and I went across. He said, there's nobody using it. So uh, I said, I'm using it. I went over it every day, and he had to put a good foundation under it, or he would have knocked it down. Oh, is that what happened? Aye. So the bo- Board of Works wanted to... Wanted to knock the bridge. How, when? Oh, that would have been about 1970 or that. Yeah. When they come up the river here. Oh, I see. And you stopped them from doing it? I stopped them from doing it. For I said, there was another one using it. There wasn't... The buses had come then for bringing the children to school and there was a few people using it. The only one I saw out here with a horse now, last man I saw out was Michael Reagan, the solicitor in town. But he's not that well now, he wasn't fit to come out the day to that. I know. But uh, he, he used to go over the bridge on his horse? Uh, he went for his horse. Uh, he went, I saw him out there with his horse. He was the last man I saw out there with a horse. Imagine, yeah. Oh, it's a it's it's an amazing story. Aye. But uh, it, so you had a, a feeling all the time that this bridge was worth saving. They had there was a, when I came here first, there came a professor from Trinity yeah. down one day to see could he go down to look at the bridge. So I came down with him and he said, "Would you mind?" He said, "If I brought a lot of students down, and we'll film the bridge and we'll take sketches of it and that." Oh, I say that's no problem at all. 
So he left me a little booklet. He said this was the only one he could track up in Ireland. There was two in the south of England, and there were a few in Eastern Europe, but this was the only one that he could. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah. And he thought that maybe uh, when the cast was built in Thrym, that maybe they brought stone from Raymond on horses yeah. across here. So, Pat Conlon, uh it was great to talk to you. I, I'm sure I could stay here and talk to you for ages about a whole lot of other stories. Lynette there, now she knew a lot. She lived up the road here. Yeah, and, she, and or her father was working here. Was he he was land. working here and he knew. And he, she would tell me her mother there. Her mother told me that when she went in here, Friday was market day in Trim. And as you went in, went in for market evening across the field, there was very short cut. She often met maybe... 10 or 15 people coming back out of the town. There, were, there was a path here and uh, there were steps on up the, the way we go on up the back yeah. to the Preff Road there and there was, there was a path up to the Preference Road for people to walk in there. Was there? Yeah. Aye, across the field. And that was a kind of a, a right-of-way path? A right-of-way, yeah. There are a few walls Is it there. Is there? Is it still there's, there? Well, it's not used now, but there's a few steps there still where, the, where it was. Yeah, and where exactly was it again? The it went up to the Preference Road. Yeah. To the Preference, straight up there. Okay, and that was a very, very old pathway, was it? It was, yeah. That was when people hadn't basically so much the, the walk down. Yeah. And across this road, straight into town. So, Loretta Guinan, uh, Heritage Officer, last word to you on this bridge. I just want to really take commend the landowners Thomas Harrington and Pat Conlon for their work in preserving this amazing structure. Also Paul Kerr for his interest and enthusiasm and dedicated research and he has been putting this project together as he explained for a number of years and it started with finding out a bit more about it, getting some funding to do a report on it, then understanding the significance of it and raising awareness of the significance of it which then brought it to light and brought it to the stage where it's at now, which is on the, the record of protected structures for County Meath, which has enabled him then to do the work and to do the conservation work that you've just learnt about here today. And we're here in Heritage Week. This is why we're having this event this year. And really, Heritage Week is it's as much about the present and the future as it is about the past. And we have a wonderful story here where we have an amazing structure. We have... A really interested community now who have taken that structure and who are really working to preserve that and then we'll you know by that work then it'll leave it for the next generation to enjoy we've come to the end of this week's podcast and i hope you enjoyed listening to all of those who were involved in the making of this podcast my name is maurice o'keefe and i look forward to bringing you another podcast next week Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.